Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Join us today as we explore the Word, giving insightful solutions for day-to-day living. We pray this message encourages you throughout your day. You can also visit www.thrivechurch.me. Now on to today's message. Good morning. Happy 2015. How's everybody today? Doing good? You guys seem excited for 2015. Like you seem a lot more energetic than usual. That's pretty awesome. I'm excited for a new year, right? New starts, new beginnings. I'm excited as well. Something new that we'll be doing at Thrive is um, we've been doing this expand fund. As you can see, the Incredible Hulk now has socks. Why do we have an Incredible Hulk in the back? Because um, he expands. You ever seen Bill Bixby and the Hulk on those old Hulk shows uh, when he would you know, Hulk out and tear his clothes and get expanded? Well, what we want to do is actually put clothes back on the Hulk. So he now has socks on. So we're going to help redress the Hulk. One of his socks kind of fell off when the kids grabbed him this morning. Um, but we're going to actually put, so when we get done with the expand fund, the Hulk will be fully dressed, uh, clothed like he should. We'll give him clothes. And so, so far, like I said, we're raising money for that. If you want to give to expand fund, you can. One of the things that we're doing, though, you saw that we, we put a gravel in this parking lot. We did crusher run and gravel. We got more of that to come. Um, and what we're doing is expanding in here. Our work day will be uh, on expanding, pushing walls back, making more room. Because our goal in 2015 is to go back to one service if we can. And so we're looking at doing that. Um, we're going to uh, fit all you knuckleheads in here in one building at one time. Uh, that will be, and so we're looking at doing that January the 18th at 10 a.m. Richmond will move to 11 a.m. because I start, I got to hop in the car and drive there. And so we've expanded. We got more room for the kids there. Uh, the the staff. We're taking our offices, especially me and Pastor Keith, and we're going mobile with our offices. We'll be working down in the foyer um, just on white tables, fold-out tables uh, throughout the week. We're willing to do that to make more room for the kids up there. So we're trying to identify the areas where we can actually expand and fit more people in here. So if you want to be a part of that, make sure Saturday you're here uh, to help with Workday. Then the 18th at 10 a.m. is when we'll start. When? At when? Okay, good deal, because um, somebody will ask me next week, hey, is it this the week? It's like, no, it's not. It's the next week. So make sure you do that. It's exciting uh, uh, to do that. We're, we added a service in 2013, a campus in 2014. We have expanded more room here. It's been awesome. We're excited for what God's getting ready to do here at Thrive Church. If you will, go ahead and turn in your copy of God's Word to Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2. We're starting a series the next four weeks. I want to encourage you to come all four weeks of this series. I usually don't ask that. But if you only come one of the four weeks, here's going to happen. You'll get one of the four principles that you're going to need. For instance, today I'm going to teach you on principles to start. Now, if you just come, you're going to try to start a bunch of stuff. But next week I'm going to teach you principles on how to stop. The third week I'm going to teach you how to go. And the fourth week, teach you principles how to stay. So if you come the first and like the third week, you're going to be ready to start and go when some of you need to stop and stay, right? Um, So make sure that you're here all four weeks for this new series called My Story. And today I'm going to talk to you about starting. So we all love stories, right? We love listening to stories. We love watching movies about true stories, how people overcame odds, how people overcame circumstances, addictions, they, they, they beat the odds. But we also have stories we don't want to tell as well, right? There are parts of our story in chapters we would rather just erase and pretend that it never happened. We all have parts of the story. I went to college with um, a, a, an autistic guy named Steve, and Steve was like the crown. Everybody loved Steve. He was awesome. And Steve would hang out with the boys and, and stuff. And one day we were eating some really hot chicken wings. And Steve said, I want one of those chicken wings. 
It's like, Steve, no, they're really hot, man. If you eat those, it's going to, no, I want them, I, I want them now. I said, okay, Steve, we're watching basketball, hanging out. We gave Steve the chicken wing. Steve ate the chicken wing and his lips got really hot and he said, and he could not, I mean, it was burning his lips. He said, Steve, we told you. He's like, I don't like these. I don't like these at all. And so we would, later on, we were like, hey, Steve, remember the time you ate those really hot chicken wings? He said, we're not going to talk about that. But Steve, the no, no, we don't talk about those things anymore. And, and some of us feel like Steve with parts of our story, right? There's parts of our story we're not going to talk about anymore. And if you'd be honest with yourself, every decision you've made has gotten you to the point that you're at today. Our life is just a culmination of decisions. And that's what I want to talk to you about today is the power of decisions in starting principles. See, the decisions we make today, listen to me, will impact our stories tomorrow. All right. Every decision that you're making today will impact your story tomorrow. So the question is, what type of story does God want, want to tell through your life? I, I put this on Facebook uh, this week and Twitter. It was really interesting. It's a question that said, what type of old person do I want to be? And for you that are younger on, on this side of the twilight, I think the folks that are older would say, yeah, yeah, you do need to answer that. Because you need to ask, what type of old person do I want to be? Do I want to be one that's unhealthy and, and can't care for myself and going downhill quick? Do I want to be one that's vibrant and excited and, you know, man, exercising and praying and leading? What type of person do you want to be? Make those decisions today and that will impact your story tomorrow. See, uh, our life is a culmination of decisions. My wife, biggest decision ever was the career that she went into. She was planning on going to be a medical doctor. And we did not like the fact, because we wanted to, to launch out in the ministry, that she had to go for four years for a bachelor's and then another seven years total for the doctorate stuff. And we were very like, Lord, what do you want us to do? Well, she got sick. And she, at college, she went to a, a, um, a the, the, the local uh, Hospital. It's not much. It's like talk. It's called Ty Cobb's. They're in Royston. Royston's like 300 people. Um, usually, you leave worse than you came in to that hospital. But she goes there and she gets checked out. And the the guy who who, who was doing all the checkups, his name was Mr. David Weil, PA. She's like, okay, I've heard of doctors and nurses, but what are you? Why are you a mister? I mean, how's that place? Well, I'm actually a physician assistant, and here's what I do. And she left there saying, you know what? I really like that he gets to work with patients and he's hands-on where doctors have to do a lot more administrative stuff and scheduling. She said, you know, I think that's what I want to be. And one of her biggest decisions came from going to the doctor one day. Now she's a physician assistant and she gets to do what she's called to do. Um, another decision uh, that, that really uh, impacted my life was I went to preach at an anniversary service right here in Richmond at a friend's church. Um, I don't do a lot of traveling and preaching. I'm not really that type of guy who likes to do that. So I go. Um, and when I go to use the bathroom before service, this guy walks in the bathroom and he's smiling really big in the bathroom. Women, I don't know if you know about this, but guys don't make eye contact in bathrooms and they don't smile at each other. <laughs> You're thinking, you smile at me, man, we're going we're gonna, to, we're gonna hey, don't, don't. And so this short Asian guy walks in, he's smiling at me and I'm like, hey, and you know, and like, I'm like, going to wash my hands, he's walking in, so we just kind of bump elbows, it was so awkward. And I said, hey, he said, hey, are you the one speaking? And I said, yeah. He said, man, I can't wait to hear you. I went to your website. So, well, cool. Good, good deal. He said, my, he said, my name's Marks. My name's Kevin. Well, afterwards, he comes to me and says, hey, man, I really think that you can help me. I think you could help me in ministry. Would you mind having coffee with me? And, and, I, and I met with Mark Thomas to have coffee with him. And he ends up, several months later, being the campus pastor at our Richmond campus. See, the smallest decisions you 
make can impact the stories that you're going to tell tomorrow. So what's the moral of that story? Bathrooms matter, men. That's a secret women have learned for ages. They gather, but bathrooms matter. Look at Hebrews 12.2. This is the key verse for the whole series. And you're going to hear it each week. It says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Now watch this. The author and perfecter of our faith. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. That word author means the starter, the one who begins. And perfecter means the one who finishes. So would it be appropriate, if we're talking about my story, that Jesus would be the one to tell a story through our life that others can see and gain encouragement from. Ultimately, that's what I want to happen in my life. Is that my life is a story for others that they look at it and they gain encouragement. So the next four weeks, we're going to learn four decisions. Start, stop, stay, and go. We'll learn four things. Usually you go to like revival services and the preacher's like, start it! And everybody just leaves starting it. And then they, he's like, stop it! Everybody stops everything. Well, these four weeks, you can feel like you're a schizophrenic. You're like, do I start? Do I stop? I'm going to explain each one of those and how they apply to our lives. Now here's the deal. We're going to make a deal here. Today, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you about how to start. I decided to start. Here's the deal. You're not going to start a ministry. You're not going to start a business. You're not going to start an endeavor. Here's in 2015, what you need to start are disciplines and habits. That's the key. There are disciplines and habits the Lord wants you to start so he can tell a story through your Life And listen to this, habits. When you practice positive habits, it creates other habits. See, see, you don't decide your future, your habits do. Let me say that again. You don't decide your future, your habits do. You are right now, not only a culmination of your decisions, but decisions turn into habits. You know your brain loves habits? Your brain loves to form habits because it uses less energy. So it's like if the brain can form a habit, it's like less energy it's got to use, so the brain loves habits. The problem is, is that we form a lot of bad habits over our life, lifetime, don't we? We make decisions, and then decisions make habits, and then habits make who we are. You're just a, a, a makeup of your habits of what you do daily. Now, one habit that I have started and I've been doing for several years is flossing. Don't you laugh at me. But when you make the smallest right decisions, it makes you make other good decisions. I'm serious. Once you start paying attention to something like flossing, and you do that regularly, it's easy to do bigger things more regularly. But I realize when I stop flossing, and just this is me, not you, and I'm not flossing, I'm not paying attention to other habits in my life either. And it sounds so trivial, but it's true. Once you start one positive habit, it will roll over to other positive habits habits. But one small decision, bad decision can affect everything can it? Small decisions over time. Bad decisions can affect everything. Uh, there's actually a commercial I'm getting ready to show you. I do not endorse Direct TV. Thrive does not. But it shows you what happens when you make bad decisions and one bad decision. And one bad decision can turn into something really big, right? So I want you to watch and turn your eyes to the screen and I want you to look at this commercial here about how one bad decision can affect everything. When you pay too much for cable, you feel down. When you feel down, you stay in bed. When you stay in bed, they give your job to someone new. When they give your job to someone new, he has a lot to learn. When he has a lot to learn, mistakes are made. And when mistakes are made, you get body slammed by a lowland gorilla. Don't get body slammed by a lowland gorilla. (laughs) Now, I know that's exaggerated, right? 
But that's the truth. You know, one bad decision can lead to other bad decisions. Will it be that bad? No, but it does. But realize small decisions and small disciplines that you put in the practice today will make who you are tomorrow. Small decisions. I, you know, I, I'm, I start new devotional type things every year. And now I'm reading a book called Replenish and it's amazing. And I got to think about the books I've read throughout the years. I've read so many devotional books. And all, everything you hear from me in the, in, in the pulpit comes from these daily readings that I do. See, you are, you are a, a product of what you do daily, not what you do occasionally. And today what I want to show you is, is how do I start the disciplines God wants me to start to tell the story God wants me to tell. And here's the big idea. To finish, I must start. To finish, I must start. Say it one more time. I'm going to ask it. To finish well, I must start today. So you've got to look at what type of person do you want to be. And then whatever that, that is, you've got to start those things today, the type of person that you want to be. Nobody ever gets to a certain point in life and they're like, you know, I just want to be a crack addict. I just want to be this. I want to be in debt. I want to have a bad marriage. I want to have, I just, I can't wait. Nobody, nobody says that, do they? But how many of us end up in those areas? In order to get, you need to get a picture of who you want to be in God's eyes and who you want to strive to become and then work every day to get to that place. Today we're going to look at is an Old Testament character account of Daniel and the lions, uh, or, or Daniel and Darius. You know Daniel from the lion's den? Everybody knows that story? Okay. Well, you look about Daniel and Darius and look at the disciplines and habits that he put in place. Now here's the, the backdrop. King Darius was the king in charge and it was Babylonian rule. Well, Daniel was a Hebrew or a Jew and Daniel was put in charge. He was one of the three over 120 people. So Daniel was elevated over other Babylonians. Now the difference is the Babylonians were completely pagan. They worshipped a bunch of false gods. Daniel worshipped God Jehovah. He worshipped uh, the, the God of the Jews. He prayed. He sought him. And God elevated his place there. Now I want you to watch what happens here though. Daniel 6, 4, and 5. This should be in your notes here. Daniel 6, 4, and 5. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. Let me tell you something. Favor follows competence. Say it one more time. I want favor. I want favor. If you're competent, God can give you favor. But God's favor cannot overcome incompetence. Okay, I'm going to keep going because... They couldn't find anything wrong while he was doing at work. If your enemies audited you, could they find something wrong? Okay, let me keep going here. I know it's 2015. Y'all still love me, right? They could find no corruption in him. How beautiful is that? Because he was trustworthy, neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So here's what they do. They go to Darius and they say, Darius, King Darius, no one should be praying to anybody but you because you're the man. He's like, yeah, you know what? I am. And you're right. They should all pray to me. So what we need to do is set a law throughout the land that, that you can only pray to King Darius. No other gods. And so that's what they wanted to trap Daniel in prayer because he was a man of prayer. Let me ask you a question. Why did the king promote Daniel? Because he was a man of prayer. Well, why did God give Daniel favor? He was a man of prayer. Why did God stop the lion in the den? Because of prayer. Now, now, now watch this here in verse 10. 
This is the key. This is the key right here. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem because he was in Babylon. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. And watch this, just as he had done before. So, he didn't rise up in a time of crisis to become a hero. Daniel had a cornerstone habit of prayer where he had sought the Lord for years. And so when this came up, Daniel just continued to do what he had done before. He had started a habit. He made a decision at some point in his life to pray three times a day. Now for us, there's things that God wants us to start in our life. So here's the thing. Many of us want to rise up in crisis. See, champions are are not made in the ring. They're just revealed in the ring. Champions are made in the preparation time. In the same way, the habits that you form now, the spiritual rocks that you put in your life now will help you withstand the time when the enemy comes against you in your life, when trials come. But if you have no disciplines and habits and cornerstone habits, you won't get through it. I remember watching my grandmother when my grandfather died. And she said, Shug, I got the Lord. And I just go to him every morning in prayer. And I just read his word. I mean, she loved God and she every day read the word. We lost my mom. She did the same thing. She got up at the same time every morning to pray. After lunch, she always read her Bible. And so when those things came, when her body began to decay, I remember my grandmother, it didn't mean anything to her. It didn't, and she wasn't you know, getting on Facebook complaining and wanting pity. She didn't have to. She was a a cornerstone. She was a rock because she had built these cornerstone habits. And so realize the decisions we make today will determine our story tomorrow. The decisions that I made 10 years ago are affecting what's happening right now in this church. The decisions I made five years ago. The decisions you make today will impact your story tomorrow. So here's two powerful questions we're going to look at today. Two powerful questions. You can write this, you know, here's the first one. The first question that we've got to answer today is this. What does God want me to want? What does God want me to want? Now, every week we'll look at this question. What does God want me to want? I mean, you've heard Psalms 37.4, right? If you've been a Christian a week, you've probably heard that one. If you commit your ways to the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. You know, the desires of, we all love the desires of our heart. Desires of our heart. Well, I had a Bible professor who told me this. And he said, here's how he, he took it. He said, he prayed this, God, change my wanter. Give me your desires. Change my wanter to want what you want. And that's the question. What does God want you to want? And when you start to ask that question, what are the blockers in your life that will keep you from wanting what God wants you to want? Some of the blockers may be financial. Maybe you're in such mounds of debt that it's just killing you. I mean, debt, financial debt is a beast, isn't it? Living strapped is a beast. And and maybe you're saying, you know what, this year I am tired of putting Christmas on credit cards. I refuse to buy anybody a gift on a credit card. Somebody please say amen and help me in here. Come on, Thrive. It's time for another financial series. Um, But I made a decision in 2013. We did a strap series and I was teaching it. I said, we're strapped. I went home to my wife. I said, we are strapped and we're not going to be strapped any longer. And we got out of all of our credit card debt. So I'm tired of being, I'm tired of putting things on credit cards. We're not going to be stressed. For some of you, it may be the right priorities. You know God isn't first in your life. God's an afterthought. 
I mean, I mean, I mean think about this, and, and, and I'm, I'm saying graciously, I, I just want to help you out for a second. Do you love me? Smile at me real quick. Okay, let's say it, it's been a while since you've read the word or prayed or even been to church, and somebody asks you, hadn't seen you in a while, how you doing? Never answer, I've been busy. Because you, you, you know what you mean by that? Well, God's on the back burner. Other things are so much more priority in my life. For some of us, God's on the back burner. What else could you be busy on besides the Lord? What else could really matter besides Jesus, right? If, you get, if you're busy, get busy serving Jesus. And so um, the right priorities, maybe it's your pursuit of your career. Being home at night with your family matters. Eating di- men, eating dinner with your family matters. Men, sometimes you need to cook dinner for your families and show your... See, some of us, and let me just preach for a second. You're upset with your children at this age, but you created that at that age. Well, they're not good. You know, they're, they're just not good husbands. Well, they, they never saw it. They never saw it. They never... I, I want it. Listen, I got a baby coming. In February. And I want him to see a dad that serves and a dad that loves and a dad that prays and a dad that cooks and a dad that cleans and a dad that honors his wife and a, and a dad that, that honors the Lord. I want him to, I never want him to say I never saw it from home. Because I didn't have that example when I grew up. So, so what are the blockers? Maybe it's physical. Maybe you're like, man, you know, I really know. And Isn't it funny? Every year around December, we all get this desire to join gyms and work out like everybody does. Because we eat so much of the holidays. But maybe you know it's physical. You can't do what God's called you to do. Eating cheeseburgers at lunch every day. God, let me help. I mean, listen, I have made some vast changes in, in my diet over the past five years. And I continue to make small changes because I, I, I want to be at 80 years old as vibrant as I am now when I'm in the pulpit teaching. I, I want to make sure I'm in good physical health. I want to I, I see my child graduate. And I made changes in my life for that to see those things happen. But here's the deal. God wants you to want certain things. What does God want you to want? I can't answer that for you. What are some things you know that you really, you should want and you should desire? What does God want you to want? Here's the second, the second one here. What does God want me to start? What does God want me to start? See, here's the thing. God wants to tell a story through your life to help other people. Every one of you has a story to tell. Some of you are just cautionary tales, right? You're like, don't do this, don't do that. My life is a series of don'ts, right? Some of you, I have a lot of those don'ts. Do not do this and don't do that. But realize that God wants to tell a positive story through your life. And, and here, I'm telling you something about what God uh, did in my life. I made two decisions that changed my life. When I planted my first church, I, I really didn't know a lot about ministry. I'm still learning. Thank you for being patient with a young pastor. I am learning as I'm, as I'm going to. Right? Hopefully you're learning and growing as well. Well, I, I didn't understand a whole lot. I thought literally, I, I thought I could never get tired. No, I did. We planted our first church. I worked 60 hours a week at a government job. Had to drive one hour to work and one hour home. And um, I would lead groups several nights of the week, all right? 
And so on Wednesdays, I would leave work at 5.30, change clothes. I had to wear suits and ties there, so I don't wear them here. Um, I had to wear them every day at work. And so, um, and, and I would change clothes. I would go to lead an addiction recovery group at 5.30. I would leave that group at 6.45 and lead a men's group at 7 and get home at 9.30, eat dinner at 9.30, eat McDonald's on the way home. I would get there. I'd hug my wife. I'd kiss her, tell her how a great day we had. I'd go to bed and get them to do it all over again. I mean, I went seven days a week, man. I was going to be the super pastor. I was going to be at every event, every function. I was going to hang out with everybody. I was going to do it all. And you know what? I hit a brick wall. I burned completely out. In July of 2011, I burned completely out. I remember laying in the water in, in the beaches of South Florida. That's where we lived. We lived on the water. And I'm laying there floating. And my wife's having a great time playing. She says, how are you doing? I was just, and I was like a zombie. I said, honey, you okay? I said, yeah, I'm good. I, was, I mean, I was gone, man. <laughs> Nothing left. And I made a decision on the months following that that I had to make some serious changes. If not, I was going to be a cautionary tale. So I just started to start, start taking a Sabbath day. I needed a day where I got away from church, and I got away from work, and I got away from it all, and I had just a day to myself to decompress. I started taking time off throughout the year so I could be fresh and come in and do ministry fresh. And I made that decision because I did not want to burn out. I want to come in here. Listen, I go to bed early on Saturday nights. I want to come in here as fresh as I can with all that I have for you guys. And I made a decision to keep a Sabbath. I will not write a sermon on a Saturday. I may review it. I'm not writing it. It's written months earlier. Because you know what I do on Saturdays when my wife's off? Guess what I do? I spend time with her. But why did God want me to want that? Think about this. Here's what really matters. Because I coach pastors now. I didn't know I'd be coaching pastors back then. And what I realized was many pastors were spending all day Saturday writing sermons and working and their families were neglected. I've watched it with dear friends. The wife and children fend for themselves and the men are just working on sermons in a room all day. And I ask you, how's your family life going? Well, you know, it's all right. When's that time you had a date night? Well, we don't really do date nights. Well, what are you doing Saturday? Well, I'm working on my sermons all day Saturday. When do you spend time? I don't have time to spend time with my family. So I'm coaching pastors a week, eight days from now. Guess what one of the topics I'm going to talk about in that talk? Having a Sabbath. Being healthy in ministry. See, but I couldn't tell that unless I had God to change and shift my desires to want to do that. A second habit that, that, I, that I started. I started a habit of exercise at 6 a.m. three days a week. I run and play basketball. If they're not playing basketball, I go run. Matter of fact, my body will not let me sleep in anymore. Christmas Eve, guess what I did, guys? I went and played basketball. New Year's Eve, guess what I did? I, and all the other guys showed up too. Same 12, 15 guys that show up. And because I, I wanted to make sure that I am healthy. I watched both my parents die way too early. It was not God's timing for them. They died of self-inflicted wounds of smoking and drinking and eating unhealthy. And I said, I, I refuse to be that person. And so I'm making decisions in my life. I, said, I remember sitting with my mom and she was, and I'm not condemning anybody. I want to help you. I was sitting with her in, 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 in 2000 and, as, and, and mom had been delivered from smoking cigarettes. Got 40 years of smoking and God delivered her. Smoking is hard to stop, man. If you're battling with it, there's no condemnation. But she was delivered and for two years she didn't smoke and she went back to smoking again. I said, Mom, Mom, 
don't, please. I said, do you want to see your grandchild, Ethan, graduate? And she argued and she fussed with me. I said, Mom, I'm telling you, I'm telling you. We had a big argument that day. I'll never forget it. My mom will not, did not live to see my, my, my nephew graduate. You know, it's heartbreaking when you think about those things. The decisions that you make today will determine the stories you tell tomorrow. So what does God want you to want? And then what does God want me to start today? Not ministries, not jobs, not books. What does God want me to start? And let me just share this with you as we close. What does God want me to start? For some of you in marriage, you need to start a date night. You start a date night. Go out and date your wife again. Date your spouse again. If you're a father in here, date your daughter, man. Carry her out for ice cream. Carry her out and spend time with her. I have friends who do that with their daughters. But spouses in here, you need to have a date night where you get away. Stop making excuses and make a way to date. My wife and I date all the time. We love it. Debt. Maybe God wants you to start a family budget and live by that family budget. Every decision my wife and I make, we look at the family budget. If it fits in the budget, we can do it. If it doesn't, we scratch it. We have a Dave Ramsey budget, financial peace that we live by. Ariane just led a group on that. Um, We live by that budget, man. And everything is dictated by the budget. Maybe it's exercise. You know that you need to start walking or doing small steps to better your health. Or spiritually. That's why you're at church, right? Maybe the Lord's asking you to get back in the word. Maybe you you look at the church at Ephesus. You're like, man, I left my first love a long time ago. Can't remember the last time I read the Bible. Can't remember the last time I let the Lord speak to me. Can't remember the last time I actually prayed and sought the Lord. Friends, do not wait for everything to line up before you do that. Start that today. Maybe it's church attendance. You're like, man... I used to be so involved. I used to be committed. I used to lead. And I've let along the way drift happen. Because drift happens, right? Today, you have a decision to start some priorities in your life that will change your life forever. So based on the story God wants you to write, what are you going to start today? I told you during worship, I want to be totally dependent upon the Lord every day. I feel like there's been days I haven't been dependent upon God. Can I be real with you? I thought like there's been days I just get up and go. And I'm praying in the car, I'm praying in the shower, and it's kind of like afterthoughts. And I, get, and I just work off, off, off what I know. I don't want to do that. I want to I stand before you. I want to stand before the Lord and, and, and say, Lord, I've been totally dependent upon you for everything you've asked me to do. So if one of my disciplines to start is being totally dependent upon God, listening to Him every single day. 1 Kings 20, 13 says this, and I close with this here. This is King Ahab, a different story. So dial in here. We're switching stories a little bit. It says, meanwhile, a prophet came to Ahab, king of Israel, and announced, this is what the Lord says. Do you see this vast army? He tells Ahab, I will give it into your hand today, and then you will know that I'm the Lord. Now watch this here in verse 14. But who will do this, asked Ahab. And the prophet replied to Ahab, this is what the Lord says. The young officers and the provincial commanders will do it. And then Ahab asked this, and who will start the battle? Okay, God, you're giving me all this. You have a great story to tell. You've gone before me. You want to do great things, but Lord, who's going to start it? And look what the answer is. The 
prophet answered on behalf of God, you will. Only you can start the things God wants you to want. What does God want me to want? What does God want me to start? I think that's one of the best ways to start a new year is to think about that. And I want to close with this thought here from Richard L. Evans. He says this. He says, the tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. The tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but we wait so long to begin it. So today, what does God want you to want? And what does God want you to start today? If you want to stand to your feet and hear... As we customarily do, the worship team's going to play a song and they're going to sing, I need you more. But I want, I want to pray for you before they start singing. And I, and I want everybody that's just, to, don't, don't walk out, don't, don't try to slip out. The parking's not that packed today. You need this time with Jesus. I want you to take a, the next few moments, make a small decision to let the Lord speak to your heart today. Let me pray for you before they start singing. Father, I ask today, That you would speak to hearts, God. That you would speak to hearts. God, only the people in here know what you want them to want. And only they know what you want them to start. So God, I pray that today, that they would hear from you, God. That they would worship you, God. And they would hear your voice, God, clearly on the disciplines to start, the principles to start today. God, we need you in this new year need you to empower us, to stir our hearts, to stir our affections.